You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. The leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Christine Prophet, the Executive Vice President of Sales for Integrity Staffing Solutions, a company that optimizes the workforce for mid-size through Fortune 100 companies. She's passionate about equality and equal rights. She is on the board of the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. And she and her husband are foodies and craft beer aficionados. So, you know, this is going to be a fun conversation. Christine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Now, before we get started, I hear a little bit of fun in some of this. So tell us a fun fact about you. Okay. So before my career in staffing, I lived in Northeastern Pennsylvania and worked in advertising for a newspaper. And that newspaper sponsored the Barnum and Bailey Circus while it was in town. And I was selected by my peers to be the representative who would declare the circus open. So picture this. I was put on top of an elephant. (laughs) The elephant was led into the center of the ring in the circus tent. Then the ringmaster welcomed me and the elephant into the ring. The elephant bowed down with me still sitting on it, right? Mm -hmm. I was helped off the elephant. And then I was was able to say, ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages, (laughs) welcome to the Barnum and Bailey Circus. (laughs) That's amazing. So it was so much fun. The clowns surrounded around me. The ringmaster took off my top hat. And then, you know, everybody was clapping and cheering. So that was a lot of fun. What a fun experience. I hope you have lots of photographs and somebody took a video of that. Uh, I don't know how long ago that was. If it had... was before video, but I do have a picture. That's awesome. What a fun memory. I have never ridden an elephant. I got to say, nor opened a circus, although I have felt like I'm in a circus more than once. Don't wear a good pair of jeans because the smell takes a while to get rid oh, of. No. All right. Well, good advice. If, so everybody tunes into podcasts hoping that they enjoy the process, but that they at least get one good gold nugget out of it. That might have been it. When in doubt, you have to ride an elephant. Don't wear good jeans. Who Maybe. knew? Maybe. Who knew? All right. Well, that's fabulous. So with that, Christine, tell us a little bit more about you and Integrity Staffing Solutions. What's your elevator pitch? Yeah. So my role at Integrity Staffing is to drive sales revenue and ensure that we are providing the best possible workforce strategies for our customers. At Integrity, we're committed to our company's associate first philosophy, which focuses both on connecting our candidates with jobs where they can be successful and then advocating for their success on those jobs. And this not only helps our candidates succeed, right, exceed their own expectations and advance their careers, but it provides our e-commerce, logistics, and call center customers with a motivated workforce that contributes to their success, along with all of the communities that we serve, right? So when people are employed, communities thrive. Yes. And I want to make sure that as we're talking through that everybody's clear on some of the terms. So I think it can be easy to mistake when you're representing both sides, both the the company that is looking to hire and the people who are searching for jobs. So when you talk about associates, you're referring to the job candidates, people who are seeking employment and refer to your customers. You're talking about the organizations looking to hire. Is that right? 
Absolutely. Okay, yes, so we got that straight and everybody's going to be super clear <laughs> on the roadmap of the rest of this conversation. Awesome. Yes. What's your favorite part of your job and why? Gosh, I love that you asked me that question. And there are so many things, but if I have to whittle it down to just one thing, the favorite part for me is providing people with the opportunity to become better in their life or best at what they do. Mm. This is true for both the temporary workers that I place and my sales team as they coach our customers on how to augment their workforce. I love to win. And what I love more is seeing our team members win. You know, my most favorite moment here at Integrity was one of my teams in New Jersey winning office of the year for the highest sales and best customer NPS scores, right? They were so excited. An NPS score for everybody out there, the NPS is the, the net promoter score, correct? Which is yep. looking at how many whether your clients will recommend you highly to others. Yes. And okay. we far, integrity far exceeds the industry averages there. So they were so excited and just so happy that they did it. And I mean, it just warmed my heart. You know, all I do is block and tackle the issues, right? And make <laughs> sure that they can be, <laughs> that they can be successful. So that was super fun. But you know what? Let's take the word just out of that, because I think it's something we all tend to do. Yeah. Uh, and especially women, we tend to do that even more sometimes just going on general uh, stereotypes to an extent. But nevertheless, we tend to diminish what we do. And I hear this a lot when I'm coaching people in firms in, in roles like accounting or whatever. So I'm just an accountant. I don't I know my work's important, but people aren't going to be interested in it. So I will get yeah. my elevator pitch. Or I just do this or I'm just a that. And let's stop justifying self-deprecation in our role. That's blocking and tackling. Ask any quarterback. Ask any pro football player. It's kind of important that somebody's out there doing all that. Agreed. So I think Agreed. it's terrific. That's a good point. Yeah. And I'm guessing that your teams out there in New Jersey are super glad that you are blocking and tackling for them. <laughs> and your teams everywhere else for that matter. Yes, for sure. For sure. Terrific. So what is one of the biggest issues of the day, the most common things that you are facing that's on your desk? And how do you have to adjust your approach? approach when you're talking to different stakeholder groups about it? What's one group looking for that another isn't? Or how do you change your communication style when addressing them both? Yeah, so that's interesting. I have to you know, flex my communication style every day, all day long, right? So we're talking to hiring managers and we're talking to people who are looking for jobs, right? So my communication style has to change always. But you know, since the pandemic, I think the biggest issue facing employers, my customers right now are two things, lack of talent and increased wage rates. Mm. It's my job to help my clients, mostly in e-commerce and logistics space, to determine how to find and place the best quality talent at the best, most fair wage they can in the market. Mm -hmm. So if I can share, prior to the pandemic, the U.S. labor force was estimated to have about 6 million less people working by the end of the decade. So think baby boomers. Mm -hmm. COVID accelerated that impending labor shortage. Retirees now outpace new workforce entrants and immigration numbers are down for a variety of reasons, right? Mm -hmm. We all hear the news. We all see what's going on. That all impacts the number of people available for work in the U.S. today. Okay. So understanding this difficulty, the opportunity for me to communicate with my customers on how to attract the best talent available and with my candidates on how to ensure that they start a job that's at a fair wage and a fit for them. There are two different audiences here, right? That we talked about. Sure. So what is, you know, how do I communicate with my customers? 
you know, we talk about talent acquisition, right? It's highly competitive. My discussions with hiring managers include the need for them to provide the best work environments and competitive wages in the market to attract that talent. They have to understand that wages are important, but also the work environment is important. It's not okay to just offer the highest wage. You'll never get people to stay if you're asking them to work, you know, five, 10 hour shifts in a row, right? right? So we have to balance and we have to work through, hey, how do we optimize the workforce, shift scheduling, whatever we need to do to help you get the best environment for the people that want to work here, not just for the wage, but, you know, also for the wage that they're receiving, that they're working amicably, right? That they can want to come back to this job and this environment and stick around, right? Okay. Okay. And then when you're addressing the employees, the people who the candidates with regard to wages yep. and, and those kinds of things, what's the conversation you have to have with them? Yeah. And then my candidates have many job opportunities available, right? Because there's so many out there. So I share with them that pay rate's not the only factor to consider when looking for a new job. While pay rate have slightly increased over the fast, last few years, it's very important that they evaluate the working conditions, they evaluate their skills, understand what will make them happy in doing a job day in, day out for every hour, right? It's important yes. that they can be successful in the job and like what they're doing. So we do a lot of coaching around making sure that they choose the right job for them at an appropriate pay rate. Do you find that people tend to just focus too much on the pay and forget to look at the other things or that they're utterly unaware of the fact that they should be looking at it in the first place? What do you tend to see as the trend? Yes, all the time. So folks think that they can do any job if it's posted for $20 an hour, mm. right? And it is an art to sit and talk with a candidate and help them understand how they can apply the skills that they've learned in their past history, right? Both soft skills and regular hard skills, computer work, whatever it is that they need, and apply that to a job where they can feel successful and fulfilled that, you know, the difference between $18 and $20 an hour at the end of the day is not that much if you're doing something that you know you're good at, right? And you'll eventually earn more money at that job once you get great at it. So as opposed to earning the extra two dollars an hour doing something you hate or you're not good right. at and aren't going to stick and with. maybe get, you know, maybe not be around very long. Right. Because you're not living up to the expectations of that job. Right. Right. So finding that fit. And it's it's funny. I, you could tell me I would love your professional opinion on this, because I've often said whether I'm talking to my college age son about career projections or talking to some clients, et cetera, that uh, job satisfaction to me is a balance of three things. And you need to be able to say a strong yes to at least two of them. <laughs> it's a good approach. And, you know, usually then you're willing to compromise on the third and the, the first bucket is the actual compensation package. Is it sufficient? Is it good? Et cetera. The second is the nature of the work that you're doing. Is it challenging? Is it interesting? Are you qualified for it? Et cetera. And then the third is the conditions around it, like your coworkers, your physical environment, your hours, your, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so as long as you got two of those, they're really solid you're probably good and you'll deal with yeah. the other. And as long as that other isn't so egregiously disproportionately intolerable, then 
you're good to go. Does that sound about right? Yeah, absolutely. So we want, we definitely want folks to understand that we are advocating for them. We're never going to ask them to work a job that's, you know, $7 an hour, right? We're not going to take those types of jobs, right? We're going to make sure that you're going to get a fair wage for the work that's being asked of you. So, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Now let's talk about specific people that you've had to engage Who's the toughest audience that you ever had to get through to? <laughs> Hands down, it's my CEO and peer group. Okay. So, so tell me about your CEO. Yeah. So he's awesome and he expects results, right? And, you know, being an executive on the senior leadership team, I want to make sure that I'm pulling my end of the deal, right? So that I'm I'm supporting the team, growing the business, all of the decisions we have to make, they can count on me. So, you know, this audience, you know, Todd, my CEO and my peer group, you know, they want clear, concise and compelling information, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. They have to make decisions that they can be confident in and trust that me as an executive have, has done my due diligence, right? To be part of this leadership team. So tell me about a time when you and you needed to get through to Todd and he was just not buying it. What did it take? What was at stake? What was the issue? And how did you finally get him to see what you needed him to see? So just this year, I needed to create a program for our organization focused on incentivizing sales growth. So we have a 60% sales growth target this year. It's insane. Um, So whenever I put a program together for Todd to make sure that he's able to understand and, and the whole senior leadership able to understand clearly concisely, right? Making sure that I'm getting Mm -hmm. the data to them that they need to make a decision and take my personal approach out of it, right? Because, you know, I'm a Cliff Notes girl. I want you to just love what I'm Mm -hmm. saying and buy what I'm saying. But to do that, you know, I normally use like a six-step process, right? You know, what is the objective that we have? What does success look like? You know, what is that going to look like once we accomplish this? And then what are the key milestones in order of priority? Like, what is the timeline? What are we going to accomplish by day, you know, 15, by day 30, by day 45? How long will it take? And then ultimately, what key company outcomes will it impact? And what what KPIs, right? KPIs. So, you know, our sales numbers, right? Performance indicators. Yeah. So our key performance indicators. So, you know, increasing our sales, increasing our customer retention. What are those things that this program will do? Increase staff retention, right? And then what rocks of support? So who do I need in the organization to help me accomplish this? I love it. And yeah. So, you know, when I'm putting something together for them, those are the things that the CEO and the senior leaders in our team need to have, right? This process gives our leaders enough information, the expected outcomes, a budget, estimated gains, right? And it gets them out of the minutia, right? And of course, my whimsical way, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, the sparkling personality and charm. Yes, yes, which is always the cherry on top. Yeah, so it really takes effort for me, right? I'm sure you can hear probably a little bit of my personality here today, but- That's you why know, I wanted you on the show, of course. Yeah, I mean, when I prepare, I have to take a minute and I have to prepare because it helps avoid all those things that cause me and others that I'm talking to, like heartburn, right? What causes heartburn? Tell me what causes heartburn (laughs) and how you're sidestepping it. Yeah. So I have to prepare because my normal approach is 
like I said, a Cliff Notes version. And I want everyone to just get behind my enthusiasm, right? So I love to win, <laughs> period. Yeah, well, who doesn't? I think that's <laughs> right? one thing that everybody can certainly identify with. But right. I'm curious, you did, you mentioned, first, I want to recap two things. Number one, it's the six-step process. I think this is something that pe- people love having that nice, clear, I could put this on a post-it note next to my camera, something along those lines. Let's yeah. go through those six steps again. Step one. Objective. What's your objective? Okay. Step two, success. What does that look like? Step three, key milestones. How are you going to get there? Step four, company outcome. What is the outcome going to be? And how is it going to impact your KPIs? And who needs to help you? What are the rocks of support? Nice. So we've got six steps there. And I think that's for so many people out there, there is a challenge in both managing up and in your case, of course, managing peers. But thinking about for anybody out there, who is constantly thinking, well, how do I get through to my boss? How do I get through to the senior leadership when I have to present upward like that? What are they thinking about? What do they want to know? She just outlined for you. You should tattoo (laughs) that on your forehead or write it on your bathroom mirror in, I don't know, lipstick or something, whatever is going to stay to get those in, because that's a super simple outline of when in doubt, get it that tight. Can I answer these six questions? Everything else will fall into place from there. Yep. So thank you so much for for that great heuristic. Yep. And actually caught want to go back to uh, something else you mentioned in there, looking at the things that cause heartburn for people at that senior level. And I'm sure it's the other side to the same coin. But if you had to list what causes heartburn among senior executives in a company, what would you say are the top three? Someone that is not concise. Do not drone on about what it is. No one cares how you feel about it. All they care is about the results. So droning on. Number two, make it quick. Chunk size information, make it quick because, you know, if you're at the executive table, you have 10 minutes, just like this meeting today that we're having. I got a hard stop. Yep. You know, I can't talk for two hours, although I'd love to, right? Make sure that you're being concise and it's quick. And then make sure it's going to help the whole business move forward. (laughs) It's not just about you. It has to impact the entire organization. And I think that's the key word that I'm hearing in there or that the key word that would summarize, I should say, everything I'm hearing in, in there is it making sure that it's strategic and not just tactical. Yep. So does yep. it take the big picture? Does it show that you, whoever you are presenting to the senior leadership team, understands the bigger picture of the company and can help those who are responsible for the success of the company overall, that you're helping them do their job better, not just Correct. providing a piece that's important to you and hoping they can figure out what to do with it. Did I get that right? You got it right. Yeah. And that's where the rocks of support come in, right? They'll evaluate the rocks of support that you believe are going to be the tactical end, right? And they'll be able to see or feel that you have the right team in place to help you accomplish it. So beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Now, I think this brings us to our 24-hour listener influence challenge. So Christine, this is an opportunity for you to talk directly to our audience and challenge everybody to take one step that they can complete within 24 hours to have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? I would love to challenge your influencers to get a mentor. Hmm. Okay. Outside of your work life and your personal life. It has been an invaluable part of my professional and personal growth. I've had one mentor. First, he was paid. Now he's a reliable confidant for more than 20 years. And I've engaged others for different things that I needed to accomplish, leading a sales team, figuring out how to get my mind trained, right? How to think effectively. 
And then just the good old women in leadership, because as you called out earlier, right, you know, as women, we want everyone else to win and we forget that we can win too, right? So how do I bring myself, you know, to work and be the best woman that I can be and lift others along the way? So I would just say, get yourself a professional mentor. And it's not hard, although you think, oh my God, who am I going to call? You've met someone, just call them. Everyone loves to be engaged from a place of admiration. You know, you've been at a business networking event. Someone gave a presentation. You have a group of friends and then they have a friend that you connected with at some other, you know, event or party, right? And you got to talking to them and you admire where they are in their career. Just reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I want to take you to coffee. I have a couple of things that I think maybe you could help me with if you wouldn't mind. And most people will say yes. So let me make sure that I'm clear on something because I think when we can draw this particular line, it'll really help people pull the trigger and move forward with this. The 24-hour part of our influence challenge is that first step is to actually make the call. Make a call. Correct, make a call. And in that call, because this is where people are going to freeze, is figuring out what do I say on that call? Are we asking them to be a mentor as far as to take on a role that is an ongoing relationship? Or is it about asking them to take on a, just in that moment to kind of act as mentor for an advice, piece of advice for the moment? Is, is it short-term or long-term? What does it mean to inquire, to ask someone to be a mentor? Yeah, that's a good ask. So I would say the first time you're reaching out, it's a short-term thing because I think you both have to determine, is there a connection and is there something that, you know, can work? So you know, Laura, hey, maybe I'll call you after this podcast. And I'll I'll say, Laura, I loved talking to you. You know, you inspire me by the way you can take someone's words and recap a thought very quickly. I'd love to learn how you do that. So something like that. So going from there, we meet for coffee, chat, a little advice. And then if there's a connection, then we you can talk about what might be a next step to do it again, et cetera. So you're not just calling somebody who you might have met once or twice and asking them to marry you. No, we're not jumping in real quick at that point. No, not at all. I'm glad we clarified that because my guess is that there's a handful of people out there who are going, oh, I don't want to get married. It's such a commitment. It's such a commitment. No, it's not a commitment unless you want it to be a commitment. Right. Right. It's up to you and them. Right. You're going to have to have a connection. You have to have a connection or it's not going to work. 100%. They kind of have to get you because they have to be able to get you and get you thinking differently. You have to be able to trust them. Yeah, you want to see if there's chemistry, if you enjoy talking to each other and would want to have a second conversation for that matter. Nice. Okay. So we've talked about a lot of successes. Let's talk about a pothole on the road to success. What's a communications related mistake that you've made? So I think this ties directly back to leading people, leading salespeople. You know, my failure, I think, to understand, you know, the true motivation of employee caused me to lose a couple of salespeople, Mm. right? Not only did I lose a really good salesperson at one point, but the feedback from the exit interview was less than stellar, right? Mm, What happened? So listening to that feedback, you know, I didn't dig in and really understand what motivated that person. I was not being authentic with them, right? How so? I was trying to fit them into my mold, Mm. right? I I elevated to a leadership position because of the hard work that I put in, right? Mm-hmm. Crushing my quotas, doing my job, following my plan. 
So when you get to a leadership role, you think that everything you did, everyone else should do, and they'll get there too. Well, guess what? I learned the hard way. I wish I would have known differently <laughs> mm. sooner, right? I think when you first get elevated to a leadership position that you learn along the way. And I wish I would have learned that a little bit sooner in my life that you have to be open. Communication has to be a two-way street, especially when you're leading people. You have to understand where they're coming from. You have to understand what makes them tick. You have to understand what helps them. And a leader isn't someone who is micromanaging, right, their team, a leader is someone who is helping to remove the barriers. And I really work very diligently at actively listening to my team members. As a, for instance, I had a a sales rep recently who said, hey, I'm feeling a lot of pressure right now. And There is a lot of pressure right now. I just mentioned before, we have a 60% increase in our sales revenue, right? There's a lot of pressure right now to get more business on the board. So all I can say is, okay, so talk to me, you know, tell me about what is causing the pressure. What's happening for you right now that is making you feel that way? And then I have to take my, you know, when we're hearing things, we're, we're hearing them to respond. What I am learning to do is not respond. I'm actively listening so that I can understand what they're feeling and why they're feeling that way. And when she had shared this with me, I realized that we were pumping out a lot of directives. Mm. I was pumping out the way to document. I was pumping out, you know, KPIs and sending leaderboard information like every other day. And it just was causing all of this head trash Mm. for her. She was the one that was able to speak up, but I guess other folks were doing that too. Right. And then we just had an open dialogue in a sales meeting. I said, guys, how do I help us get to that 60% increase without making y'all feel like you are being micromanaged. A 60% increase, that's a scary number. I mean, a lot of people it is are a like, scary can number. I increase productivity or sales by 10%, by 5% <laughs> this quarter, 60 is, you know, more than you think, do I have to do more than 50% of the work? Do I have to work 50% harder, 50% longer hours? So I can see where that would be a, a little bit of an overwhelming goal, at least on paper. Yeah, overwhelming goal on paper. And what we missed, I think, in the original communication is that we actually packaged a new service, a way to model a new service plan that can get us to that 60% quicker. Mm. And the team wasn't tying that service plan to how they could accomplish their goals a little bit faster, right? So while we communicated what that new service line was, I didn't do a good job at making sure they understood how to use that new service line to help them improve their success. Got it. Making sure everyone has the tools necessary. That they need. Yes. Yes, 100%. Then, yes. now when you are having, I'm guessing that in those, uh, in that era in particular, when you're looking at increasing sales by that kind of a number, there's going to be a lot of people initially, especially when they're still in the misunderstanding phase, who are not achieving those targets, those KPIs, those sales numbers initially. So what's an approach that you've used to address those accountability issues with your team? So I know you love this six-step process. I have another process here for you that we use, which is awesome. It's called the DASH method. I love it. (laughs) Right? Yeah, it's called the DASH method. So it's 
you know, describing the observed behavior, Mm -hmm. asking your team member to acknowledge that observation, Mm -hmm. specifying the exhibited behavior, right? Making sure that it's clear and then helping them as appropriate to correct it, right? Okay. And it's a definite conversation in that manner. So it's the DASH method. I actually have a post-it note right here on my computer that says DASH so that I always have it top of mind because if I need to jump in and help someone who's consistently missing their objectives, right, I want to make sure that I use that really fast because it's super effective. So as an example, I would, you know, I'll say, um, well, I'll just say, Laura, I'd like to talk to you about the fact that you're not documenting decision-maker conversations in the CRM. Part of our agreement is that you document at least 40 every week to ensure you're meeting the required sales meetings each week. Okay. So there's the D. That's the description of the behavior. Correct. Not documenting the 40 touch points Correct. each week. Okay. And then you might respond, I know I've been experiencing car trouble this week or, you know, something's getting in my way. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I typically respond. Acknowledging. What yeah. Acknowledge what they say. And then, you know, do you understand that when you don't document these decision maker conversations, that you also miss the weekly meeting targets. So here I'm asking them to understand what we're experiencing and then what it leads to, right? Missing that next result, right? And is that the acknowledge that's still part of the acknowledgement? That's the ask, right? Yep. Acknowledging, right? Okay. Making sure that they acknowledge. The ask is that they acknowledge what happens in that. Okay. Yeah. So the A is both acknowledge and ask. Yep. yep. Okay. Good. And then specify. And then we specify. So documenting in the CRM within your control, making it a priority, right? You can choose how to do that, right? You can come in 30 minutes early. You can stay 30 minutes late. You can use the CRM app on your phone and document them in real time. The list goes on. And, you know, they would respond to, yes, I understand. I can do this. I can commit to that. And then normally, you know, that's sort of the be specific. And then normally I would just say, you know, I have the confidence in you that you understand the importance of that. And, you know, you can explore any options and correct the situation. What else can I help you with? Yes. Right. So here's when they say something and then you determine whether or not you can support that. help. I love it. Okay. So describe the problem behavior acknowledge whatever their issue is and ask them to acknowledge that behavior, right? They have to say, yes, I see that, right? I get it. Then specify, right? What needs to happen. What needs to happen. And then ask what you can help with. Perfect. Dash, everybody, on your next post-it note, next to your phone, next to your computer monitor. Easy mnemonic to remember. I love those. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Christine, this brings us to our, my final question for you today. As Peter Drucker famously said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. What's one communication pattern that's had a big cultural impact, whether positive or negative, on a team that you were on? Yeah. The open door policy. Oh my goodness. Okay. Tell me about the open door policy. So this is a blessing and a curse, right? A blessing because many, many people in my organization are not afraid to talk to our senior leaders. And I love that. Or other department heads. Awesome. The curse of this is that those you know, there are some people that can forget that there is a hierarchy within an organization, right? And, you know, they may be reaching around and using that cultural norm for us as as personal gain in a way, Okay. right? So I, I think my coaching on an open door policy would be that you want to use it, engage it, 
but embrace it for the overall good of the organization. So use it when you have an idea, when you have a suggestion, when you have a solution, right? And not for personal gain or chit chat or what have you. So you don't just want to walk into the CEO's room, whatever, and just say, hey, just thought I'd check in and see how your weekend was. Not quite. Well, yeah. Or, hey, um, you know, we lost this sale and I don't know what to do. Like, don't call the CEO and say that. You know, <laughs> I just came out of a meeting and, you know, we lost the sale and I don't know what we should have done. Right. So, <laughs> just no way. So it sounds like it's a really valuable resource that you have at your disposal, but it's something that needs to be used extremely judiciously. Absolutely. You only have a couple of those chits and you need to use them wisely. You Absolutely. overuse them, overplay your hand and. It's uh, going to come and backfire. Absolutely. Yep. I think it's important to be able to show judgment and to show that you have the awareness to recognize when it is appropriate to do this and not. Because if you've got hundreds or thousands of people in your organization and everybody wants to, you know, have five minutes with the CEO, the CEO is never going to do anything. No. It doesn't have to be just the CEO. It can right. be anybody at any level necessarily. But recognize that they have a lot of pressures on their time as well. So if you are going to use that trump card bridge reference, then it's something you need to play very, very, once you've played it, you don't have it anymore necessarily. So play it very cautiously. <laughs> exactly, right? Because when you are reaching up and around and over your boss, which, hey, that's great. I love it. Do what you got to do, but, you know, make sure it's for the overall good of the organization. That's what I would say. Right. Perfect. Yes, I love that. So here's your qualifier. Is your need to go above a level or two to have a conversation, something that is in the best interest of the organization on the whole? Yeah. Great way to look at it. Yeah. So terrific. Christine, this has been so much fun. I'm sorry we need to bring our conversation to a close here. Tell us how people can learn more about you and Integrity Staffing Solutions. The best way is LinkedIn. I'm connected there. I'm actively on LinkedIn, right? You'll see my posts and things like that. Perfect. So, yeah. Okay. So, and you can We'll have all of that in the show notes. And of course, the website for the company, if people are interested in having you help them hire or yeah. get new jobs. Would love it. And I'm I'm also a, a candidate for a mentor if anyone needs one. Oh, beautiful. Okay. Well, there's going to be a lot of <laughs> requests coming in there. So reach out to Christine on LinkedIn <laughs> if you've got questions about mentorship. And the, tell us the website. The LinkedIn website is Christine Profit, but um, integrity is integritystaffing.com. Integritystaffing.com. Com. Got it. Again, it will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, for sure. Thank you. And to everybody else out there listening, thank you as always for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or your platform of choice so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, of course, if you want to download my guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal.
Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.